Hi, my name's Nick, and thanks for downloading this 3CR podcast. The following is an episode of the show in Psychedelia. If you want more information on the show, head along to the 3CR program pages and click to Encyclopedia. You can also find our website, encyclopedia.org, or find us on Facebook or Twitter. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon, my name is Nick and this is In Psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio, 855am, streaming uh, online, 3cr.org.au and on digital as well if you've got yourself one of those fancy schmancy digital radios, which um, uh, I, I, I must admit I, I haven't. I haven't gone out and bought a digital radio. I don't actually know many people that have. It usually seems to be the people in um, my parents' age range that seem to get them because they uh, still like having the radio, I guess. It's easier on the internet. Um, uh, this is In Psychedelia. We talk about uh, about the intersection of society and psychoactives on this show. If you do have a drug, or including alcohol, issue, there is a 24-hour uh, telephone counselling service. They can put you in touch with the right people. The direct line number is one eight hundred triple eight two three six, and we have a philosophy of harm reduction on the show, which refers to policies, programs, and practices that aim primarily to reduce the adverse health, social, and economic consequences of the use of legal and illegal psychoactive drug use, uh, drugs without necessarily reducing drug consumption. That direct line number again is one 236 Also, thanks to the Freedom of Species guys. They will be back at 1 o'clock on 3CR next Sunday. Uh, we got, uh, we got a bit of news now, a bit of, uh, bit of drug news. Ash, welcome to the program. Ash is one of our regular contributors. Ash? Uh, g'day, listeners. Now, what, uh, what news have we got this week? So, just some news from Australia and around the world this week. We'll start off with... Uh up in Queensland, a 66-year-old driver has been arrested after allegedly stashing 200 packs of cannabis in a secret compartment under the tray of a ute. Uh, police allege that he was recruited by a syndicate. <clears throat> this is... Um, th- there's a, a, a bit of a thing that's happening here in the drug war as, as it escalates and uh, the criminals get more uh, sophisticated. There was some reports earlier this year and a few years ago about people recruiting problem gamblers. So I'm not sure that that's this gentleman's situation, but it tends to be one of the things, particularly with cannabis in the grow houses, where they'll get uh, problem gamblers to sit the crops so that then they can cut themselves out from the process if people get busted sitting on the crops. It's right. not actually the people that are producing and distributing them. I mean, prohibition comes with many problems, and that's that's just one of them. The people, uh, the people that are making the most money will, will find ways for other people to be in the firing line when it comes to criminal convictions. Um, there was a uh, another, just staying on legal matters, there was another interesting story I saw this week. Um, all the stories are available uh, on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Encyclopedia, and this one uh, came from the Mudgy Guardian, where a 30-year-old man got slugged with a $300 fine for possessing 0.7 grams of cannabis. 0.7 gram of cannabis. It was less than a gram. Uh, and the man was reminded... Well, he, he, he said to the magistrate uh, and to the police, it's just a little bit of pot. Can I have it back? The magistrate said, actually, that's up to a two-year jail, um, jail term, so consider yourself lucky for only having a $300 fine. Wow. Mm. <laughs> um... 
In other drug news, uh, the member for Patterson, MP Bob Baldwin, uh, had an incident this week where an unknown white powder was sent to his electoral office, and it turned out that this was in fact a synthetic cannabinoid known as AB Fubinaka. From the details of the story, it looks like it wasn't intentionally sent to the minister's office and probably was just a mailing error from somebody somebody else trying to mail it uh, domestically or internationally. And that was that in New South Wales or Queensland? I'm sorry, I don't actually no, know. I, th- I think it was New South Wales off the top of my head um, where that wasn't actually a illegal drug at the time according to the uh, well, the definition of illegal drugs in that state. So um, that's just a little extra little something. That's, yeah, there's another story we'll come to in a second that touches on some of the nuances of the legalities there. Um, um, <clears throat> I've noticed that um, Yahoo Finance seems to uh, repost and republish a lot of media releases verbatim, and there was a funny one this week uh, from the Church of Scientology, um, who run an organisation called Drug Free World, which is uh, largely a uh, uh, blatant propaganda outlet. There's pretty much no good information on there, and it's um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it adheres to the Church of Scientology uh, philosophy, and I put that in sort of sarcastic quotation marks. Um, and it was, it, I mean, the whole media release was just full of grandiose hubris and uh, and nonsense, but they launched this new centre for their drug-free world uh, organisation in uh, Miami in the US. Um, I didn't get, a, get to have a look at what the centre looks like, but knowing Scientology, I imagine they threw a lot of money in it, at it to make it uh, big and opulent. Uh, this week in Victoria, the hearings have started in the Royal Commission into Family Violence, Uh, Some of the things that the Commission heard this week uh, were in regards to drug and alcohol and its interaction with family violence. It has been noted that police are responding to an increasing number of incidents where perpetrators of family violence are affected by drugs and alcohol. In the year leading up to June 2014, police attended 23,000 family violence incidents where the perpetrator was alcohol-affected making up 35.7% of all family violence call-outs, mm. and nearly 30% are involved drug-affected people. And from their own measurements, where the person is definitely affected by alcohol or definitely affected by drugs, the alcohol-affected people have gone up 40%, and the people that they would consider definitely affected by drugs have gone up threefold. Mm. <clears throat> Um, there was a good opinion piece in uh, The Independent from the UK, independent.co.uk is the website, uh, and it was an article on the stigmatisation of drug users. And I'll, I'll just read you a, uh, a short paragraph from it. Again, the article is available um, on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash psychedelia. And uh, the author says, we are taught to stigmatise drug users and addicts by society and our laws. Because drug use is illegal, it is seen as deviant behaviour. Therefore, many of us brand users as disgraceful or unworthy. We blame and devalue them and shun or exclude them in order to purge them and their undesirable behaviours from society. And then he goes on to explain why this is particularly unhelpful, especially for those that do have a, uh, a problem with drug use, not just the, uh, the, the casual users, of which it also doesn't help, um, but those who are particularly vulnerable uh, made all the, all the worse by the stigmatisation that occurs uh, around drug users. Yeah, it's been good to see more articles of that nature coming out in recent history. Um, <clears throat> a more fun story from uh, the uh, University of 
<coughs> sorry, the Washington University in St. Louis have created a wireless device that can be implanted in the brain and controlled with a remote device to deliver drugs. Now, this is more about drug treatments rather than recreational drug use. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about the width of a hair, and they've successfully implanted it into a uh, into several mice, and the research has been published in the journal Cell. The future possible uses include uses for depression, pain relief, epilepsy, and other neurological disorders. Brilliant. It's essentially a highly targeted uh, drug delivery system where they're going to target specific areas of the brain and possibly use light to then activate the drug I've, so I've that they can... heard of this. It's much better than drilling a hole in somebody's head if there's a problem in their head. If you can get in much less... Uh, with. with you know, far few drills and power tools involved. That's it's probably a better thing uh, overall, I imagine. Yeah, it also uh, comes across the, the difficulties of uh, coming across the blood-brain barrier and instead of, of just flooding the, blood, uh, the brain with uh, a lot of a specific drug so that you get the, the desired result, it can be a lot more nuanced and limit some of the side effects. Uh, there was also, uh, finally, um, a story in The Australian this week uh, talking about uh, Victorian drivers could be getting more severe penalties if they are found to be mixing booze and drugs. Um, at, at the same time. Uh, but this sort of rise, uh, raises a, um, uh, a more interesting issue around drug testing and the way that uh, roadside drug testing is currently occurring in Victoria. Um, and did you have something you wanted to add on that? Or? Um, well, I think the concern amongst myself and some of my friends with the drug testing regime, and one of the reasons that I don't currently support the way that it's done, um, while you know, me and my friends, your recreational drug users and non-drug users alike, all agree that we don't want impaired drivers on the road. Absolutely. Um, the problem is with things like cannabis and MDMA, there can be a long tailing time where you're not necessarily impaired, but you still show up a positive reading. And so the challenge is somehow getting around that particular uh, problem. Uh, the and I've sort of had a little bit of a look on uh, into how the testing happens in Victoria and the saliva tests that are used do have the potential to have a false positive, uh, well, a positive um, for drug use up to 72 hours after drug use. Up At that point, it's not, it's not correlating with impairment anymore. They're not removing impaired drivers from the road. They're targeting people for something that they did um, at, at a different time. And that's, uh, I think there's there's a line that, or ought not be crossed there. If people, if the police are there to remove impaired drivers from the road and make the dry, uh, the road safer for everyone, that's what they need to do. Not um, use that as a scapegoat to then target uh, drug users more broadly, um, which is a problem of the testing regimes. It was a problem when alcohol breath testing first happened in the uh, 60s or 70s, and there was a lot of uh, a lot of court cases that were um, held. Uh, at, at that time, because people were saying, well, I may have had a drink, but I was not impaired. Hence why we have a blood alcohol content limit of uh, 0.05 in Victoria. That's been the agreed upon uh, level. And there's been a lot of uh, testing that's gone into that to find out uh, that 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 level does correlate with a, um, uh, a pretty high percentage uh, of, of people being impaired at that point. So there's, there's a lot to go in other drugs apart from alcohol. Mm. Could I uh, share an anecdote on that? Yes, absolutely. Um, one of my friends at a festival called Strawberry Fields, uh, I think not last year, but the year before, 
uh, took some MDMA on, it would have been either the Friday or the Saturday night. And then she stayed drug-free for all of the Sunday and all of the Monday because she was attempting to do the right thing, go and have her party, have yep. a rest, get some sleep, and then drive home sober yep. on Two Monday. days later, yep. <clears throat> she tested positive for MDMA at a, a roadside test, mm-hmm. and they held her for, um, I think it was over six hours. Right. And eventually when they did let her drive home, she was probably no longer safe to drive home just she because she tired. was so fatigued. <laughs> but she oh, ended up dear. losing her license for three months and hence right. her job and a big fine and all of the rest of it. And, and she'd actually been trying to do the right thing. Yeah. She, she was probably completely sober. By the sounds of it. I mean, two days later, generally the um, the effect of something like MDMA is six hours with maybe another six hours of, um, of of your body, of it getting out. So it's 12 hours. 48 hours later, you shouldn't have to worry that, you know, you're, you're going to get pulled over by the police and, um, and get in trouble uh, for apparent impaired driving where you weren't actually impaired. It's yeah. uh, Later on the show, we'll be speaking with uh, Monica Barrett, who was recently uh, in Portugal. There's been a few people who have been in Portugal recently for a uh, uh, conference called Club Health. Um, and she was uh, she's a drug and alcohol researcher who looks a lot into things like the dark net, especially Silk Road and the, um, the, the other ones that have come along um, after that. Right now, though, this is uh, Dysphemic with Psychedelic Breakfast on 3CR. Harbour and then up to Bellingham. And then we found the promised land. And the promised land was green hills covered in gold topped mushrooms. Thank <laughs> you. 
Harm Reduction Victoria presents the Novel Psychoactive Substances Seminar. Join four of Australia's leading experts on novel psychoactive substances. Dr. David Caldicott, Fiona Patton, Dr. Stephen Bright and Stephanie Genetis will discuss the prevalence, trends in use, legality and effects of novel psychoactive substances. Tuesday the 28th of July, 2 until 6pm at the Supper Room in Melbourne's Town Hall. Tickets are available via Harm Reduction Victoria's website, hrvic.org.au. Harm Reduction Victoria is a non-for-profit community organisation. Community Radio. 3CR. 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 8.55 a.m. The clock moves too slow. It's an audible nautical prodigal. Some from down low. Number one from down under the boots. The crucial. High energy you to make a grown man leap and say, whoa, get you out of your seat, run things, then come make we gone. Whoa, high energy beat, we the blend to get you up what you need, say, whoa, rolling with the best, help and sunshine, combine the blessings. Jump up, up, get your body moving, body moving, soul recruiting for the sound. We get you bouncing, now we announcing, round the clock while we rock the compound. Get your body moving, body moving, so recruiting for the sound. We get you bouncing, now we announcing, round the clock while we're on the clock. I was born into a time of universal strain, tame to lay the blame. 
on the ones who lame and can't handle the situations life brings. Yeah, this mental anticipation to a small brain, but I'm saying the sanity is only a plane. Dimension that's invented by the wealthiest man, so they don't lose their minds and become the commoners of the foreign customs. See, our boss one, then touch them deep. See, the mind them sheep is deep, he'll make them fall. Before they all walk, they must crawl and learn. But surely feel the sting of the burn, only the winger will earn. True metals of courage and grow with natural mystic. Even the honesty is twisted. Tried to introduce you, but you missed it. Insisting the science is the one and only true alliance. Open your mind and understand that mind is mine. Thunder my crew call to recruit you all. Do the flea mutable and most beautiful. Advance up stance for the dance to draw. Fans to the jam like famine to the food stall. What's the point of waiting, debating, wondering who we call? It'll feel the sloppy poppy. Too many copy to call them done been recalled. Watch them fall in the face of innovators who cater original. Steady getting raw for the cause with the pivotal. So we can stall upon this big blue ball. Kick your rap forward back to the root of it all. We sub the bond, they put them breaking on that super law. Jump up, up, get your body moving, body moving. So we're cruising for the sound. We get you bouncing, now we announcing. Round the clock while we rock the compound. Jump up, up, get your body moving, body moving. So we're cruising for the sound. We get you bouncing, now we announcing. Round the clock while we rock the compound. It's blessed up featuring Vita Sunshine, Elf Transporter on uh, 3CR 855 AM, 3cr.org.au and on the digital as well. This is in Psychedelia. My name's Nick Wallace. Uh, we're just trying to get Monica Barrett on the phone. Um, hopefully in just a tick, I'm just trying to figure out the phones here. It's um, a little bit more complex than I had uh, anticipated, but uh, uh, maybe one more song. And we'll we'll be speaking to Monica in just a second. This is OPU with Slip on 3CR. New Jersey? Austria. Austria? (laughs) Well then, (laughs) good day, mate. (laughs) Let's put another shrimp on the barbie. Barbie, 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 barbie.
accent you have. New Jersey? Austria. Austria? <laughs> well then, <laughs> good day, mate. <laughs> Let's put another shrimp on the ball, babe. you with slip on 855 am this is 3cr and psychedelia where we're uh, talking all things uh, all things drugs today uh, all intersections of psychoactives and society and uh, uh, we've got Monica Barrett uh, on the line now and Monica is a uh, oh, dr Monica Barrett I should say uh, is from the National Drug and Alcohol Research Center uh, with University of New South Wales Monica welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on this show, Nick. And that was some really, really nice tunes you had playing there. <laughs> Thank you. Opiu, of course, uh, hails from Melbourne, although he is one of those, uh, I believe he's another New Zealand expat ah. that we've stolen away. Um, but, you know, we, we like to do that in Australia like a little bit. We like to do that, yes. <laughs> so you, you were just recently in um, in Portugal uh, for the Club Health confer- uh, Conference right. in, in Lisbon. Right. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you were presenting there? Yeah, sure. So um, I was asked to present about um, the internet, uh, digital technologies, and how 
how, I guess, as we'd all be familiar, these are just linked in with our lives these days. Everyone's got their smartphones in their pocket. Everyone's kind of connected in with social media. And how this, I guess, change in, in, in society that's happened over the last 10 years uh, presents challenges and opportunities to how we might have healthier party settings, so in relation to the way the drugs are used in party settings and also um, other risks that might occur in those settings. So the whole conference itself is about how we can create a healthier and more vibrant nightlife settings and reduce the harms that might occur. So a lot of the, a lot of the discussion is about drugs, but, um, you know, that's... Um, I guess the, the digital technologies side of it, um, one of the things that really strikes me is that there are missed opportunities uh, to really connect with people. And I think that some of the missed opportunities come because it's really hard to talk about drugs openly. And so that was one of the things that I really worked through in my presentation. So what, what sorts of opportunities um, are we missing out on because of a lack of honest conversations around drugs? Yeah, so just one example would be um, if you look at alcohol, obviously there's still stigmas around, you know, if you, if you were, uh, I guess... You know, for want of a better term, an alcoholic, there are still some stigmas around alcohol, but at least we do have a more open discussion about it, and we can't at least be put in jail if we talk about talk about some supplying it or drinking it. So, uh, some of the innovations that have come uh, recently, um, there's one from Australia called Hello Sunday Morning. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's an app. It's also um, available just through through Facebook, and basically. Um, the idea is that if you need to take a break from drinking or you need to sort of reconfigure your relationship with drinking, not necessarily quit, but just sort of change it a bit, um, you can connect in with a group of other people, similarly minded people, uh, and, and that can sort of really help you to achieve your goal, whatever that might be. And you do that via connecting through your Facebook networks. So it's a very identified thing. It's like saying, right, I'm going to do this challenge, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to have all my friends involved. Now, if you wanted to do the same thing with, say, I don't know, your methamphetamine use or your cannabis use, it's a little bit harder to do that because we can't so easily just talk about that stuff using the, the networked opportunities that are available. And, and we, we tend to do that. We see examples of that in pseudonymous or anonymous um, uh, sort of, sorry, uh, pseudonymous or anonymous uh, structures online, yep. like online forums and that kind of thing. But it doesn't have the same um, connectedness with our everyday lives. So, you know, it's tricky. There are constraints, I guess, around how we can how we can use the technologies available to us in in the current political climate. I guess. And were there um, any particular things that you picked up while you're in Lisbon, in in Portugal, uh, that that other countries or other states are doing, um, and and seeing some successes in maybe uh, reaching out to people. Uh, over illicit drugs rather than um, rather than alcohol. Yeah, I mean, one example that comes to mind was um, uh, Floor van Bakken. I think that might be her name, but from the Netherlands. She presented uh, an amazing presentation about something that happened in Amsterdam last summer, I believe. Um, sorry, well, like, yeah, I think it was last summer. So what happened was they actually had some. Um, really um, some heroin was being sold as cocaine right, uh, by some of the dealers there. Yeah. Um, they didn't realise this was going on. I don't think the dealers realised, but unfortunately there were a few deaths. And so they they really needed to get this message out there. And, and the Netherlands just went all out, um, no holds barred with this message, just to make sure 
that people who were coming into the country or even just locals who were buying coke um, weren't accidentally getting heroin. And in fact, they distributed these um, free kits. And all the kit did, it didn't do anything but it was a reagent kit, but all it did was you you, could, you were able to tell whether indeed it, it contained heroin or not. Right, yes. <laughs> so you, could, you know, you could do these tests, um, you could send this information back. They had all these billboards and they also did a lot of... Um, I would say so push messaging. So people that were coming into a certain locality, little messages were appearing on their on their phones saying, hey, yeah, right. you know. Um, and so, yeah, it was quite an amazing campaign that they did and, and they had a lot of success with it. Um, they managed to get, you know, as people were, who did use the test kits were asked to give that information back and um, they certainly didn't record any further deaths, um, unintentional deaths. So that was a good example where they just went, look, you know, public health is paramount here. We're not going to be concerned about anything else. Let's get this information out there. Um, and obviously um, uh, one of the things that's going on, it's been going on for for decades in um, in Europe is um, drug checking or um, pill testing, as it used to be known. And there was a um, there was a workshop on drug checking uh, at the conference. Um, that was really interesting because everyone's uh, experiences in different countries, you, you know, not everyone's had the same experience about how to actually enact a program, how their program is sort of set up. Um, so all the little intricacies of that and then sort of trying to understand the effectiveness of their programs. Um, and so we sort of went through all of that and there was even a, uh, a keynote by um, Professor Fiona Meesham from the UK about what she's been doing, um, trying to get some, some drug testing going there and actually implementing it. They have actually been doing it in Manchester and some other parts of the UK. So that was some really exciting news to hear mm, um, that's... That, that that sort of been developing, not just in some of these European countries, which we already know are kind of ahead of the, ahead of the game, but also in the UK, which is, you know... Um, a country that maybe we're not that different to here. Exactly. And and drug checking is becoming more and more important, I think, uh, today because of the sheer number of new drugs that are available on the market. Uh, and you know, one of the most important things that uh, people need to understand if, if they are going to decide to take a drug is to know what the drug is and know what the effects mm. might be, know the, uh, know the limits as well. And if you don't know what that drug is, then things can very easily go wrong where it could have very easily been avoided if you had have known that information. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's certainly been an argument um, that the increasing number of novel psychoactive substances on the market these days, um, and again, you know, every year the European Monitoring Centre puts out their report, and, and this year um, there was 101 new drugs that were notified to them just completely new substances. So every year, year that in, number goes up. As in um, only the past six months or so? Uh, in the last 12 months, there were another 101 on top of the, you know, 90 of the year before and the 80 of the year before that. And that doesn't mean that all of those substances are really going to take off. It just means that they've been kind of, um, uh, you know, there's some kind of evidence in the monitoring systems that somewhere out there, uh, in Europe at least, someone is, is using them. Um, and, you know, we know that we just don't know which ones of those will end up being, uh, I guess, used more often. And we don't know which ones of those will end up, you know, misrepresented. And I guess that's what you're talking about here is someone buys what they believe to be a particular substance and they're actually getting something quite different to that. Exactly. One of the, one of the major problems with that, I mean, if that was a very similar 
experience. Maybe maybe people wouldn't realise, maybe it wouldn't be so bad, but one of the problems is that some of these drugs can have a really low dosage. Um, so, you know, there might it might be sort of a problem with dosage here that you, you end up taking way too much um, without knowing. And, uh, and, and that's the, one of the major problems. One of the, one of the um, problems that's been seen in, in Europe and the US as well was uh, the MDMA market uh, was being uh, well, some drugs were being sold as MDMA, but it was actually a drug which is uh, paramethoxyamphetamine, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which led to uh, deaths and overdoses yep. in in places uh, in the US that because it was being sold. Happened in Australia as, as well. Oh, it did happen yeah. in Australia as well. It did happen in Australia a while ago, back in the ni- late nineties, early two thousands. There was PMA deaths here as well, um, and then yeah, recently in in the UK and the US. Um, and yeah, so that, it's one example where my understanding with PMA is that um, if you think it's um, an MD-like substance and you're taking it, because it, it takes longer to come on, you might think to yourself, oh, it's, it's been an hour, I can't really feel it, and some people might then take a second. Now, the problem is that that would then push them into overdose territory um, with PMA. So it has a, that's a particularly nasty problem if you think that something is a drug that it is not. So, uh, as you said, it's really unfortunate though because, you know, one of the prob- one of the missing pieces of the puzzle here is something which I'm hoping to get up in the next couple of years if I can if I can get someone to give me some money to do it <laughs> would be to actually get the evidence that I think um, would just make it more convincing to people that are sceptical about the um, effectiveness of drug checking is to actually follow people up. So the sort of evidence that's happening at the moment is someone might go to, say, a festival like Boom Festival in in Portugal last year where they've got a drug checking service on site. When they go in there, they do a a questionnaire um, about what they think the drug is and a bunch of other things. They get the information um, and depending on whether it is indeed what they think it is or whether it's something else, they then get asked, what are you going to do? So that's an interesting piece of information. Uh, And certainly the majority of the people who get something they didn't expect aren't going to take it. So Mm. therefore there's some prevention going on there. But what's really happening there, it's talking about intention. What I'd like to know is what actually happens. I'm not saying people are lying. I'm I'm sure they're not. But, you know, things change. I mean, (laughs) what actually happened afterwards? So if we could follow those people up, even if just over a couple of days, if we could get back to them three days later or even five days later and say, okay, so what did happen? And what was the, what was the sort of outcome of your evening um, after you got this information? And how did this information impact that outcome? That's the sort of information that we don't have yet. And it could just sort of firm up, I guess, what we all, we all think is the case. Because there is a sort of a, a subset of people that do say they'll take the drug anyway. And I guess there always will be that subset. And it's, it doesn't negate um, the usefulness of a drug checking service. Uh, I think the other thing I learnt um, from this drug checking um, workshop was that um, there's a lot of other ways that it can be effective, not just through individual behaviour change. Right. Yes. Yes. Because um, oh, sorry. What what other ways um, can it be effective? So um, one of the ways would be in dealing with um, what happens after someone's taken a drug which ends up being something they didn't expect. So 
that obviously can't change that person's behaviour, but it can help with the aftercare. So that's an important issue. So um, there might be nurses on site or, or people on site that medical, they may end up in hospital, for example, if something really bad happens. But if you've got a drug checking service there, even if it hasn't prevented that person from taking the substance, there's a good chance that the um, medical people will actually have more information about what to do. It's sort of like with um, <laughs> sort of like with uh, people that are bitten by a poisonous animal, um, who are who are told if you can uh, if you can get the animal. I, I'm not sure how good advice this is. So if you get bitten by a snake, don't go chasing it. Um, but I, yeah. I understand <laughs> that if you know which snake it is, it's much easier for uh, the emergency personnel to deal with it. So if you know what drug you've taken, not just you you thought it was this, then it can be much um, easier. Uh, for if if um, you do need health services for them to that's be able to deal with correct. that, and that's what some some researchers has indicated that's the case. There's also another benefit in the sense that you can track what's actually going on in the market. So as we just talked about with these novel substances coming up, we have information from surveys of people who use drugs, but that's only about what they think they're taking because that's all they know. And then we have information about. Um, what the police sees. Yes. But we don't know what that was sold at because the police sees it and analyse it, but they can't say what it was going to be sold as. The missing link is to do this kind of checking and ask the person, what was it sold as? What's actually And then ha- you've actually got a link between those two pieces of information, which at the moment we don't have. So... I think there's a benefit beyond um, that individual advice, which of course is incredibly important, into actually knowing what's happening in the market. And that's one of the things that I think would be very helpful in Australia. I've just got one of our um, in psychedelia contributors uh, here, Ash, and he's got a uh, question for you. If that's okay, Hi, Monica. Ash, how are you <laughs> going? Hi, Monica. I'm good, thanks. I, I was oh, just curious if uh, if you know about or, or if you're looking at the interaction between that kind of knowledge of where somebody might find out about a drug that's something different to what they thought mm-hmm. it was, how that might interact with polydrug use? Mm. Yeah, look, there has been, um, thinking about the research that's already been done, um, where and, and that research is mainly where we just ask people what they intend to do. Um, I think I'm just thinking about the Lisbon um, information that was provided at Club Health about the, the Boom Festival last year, and I'm pretty sure what they were saying there is that out of the people that say that um, it wasn't what they expected it to be, it depended on what that drug was. So if they already used that drug or were already familiar with that drug, then you know, they're probably more likely to take it. That doesn't mean the information is, is not valuable because, as you can understand, if I mean, taking an example here, if you thought something was MDMA and it turned out to be methamphetamine, you might just take it in a different context, uh, assuming that you've used methamphetamine before and you're happy with that. Um, you may decide you don't want to take it at all. Um, you may decide that, you know, to take less of it or, or in a different form. So, you know, I think it it does matter whether you've taken that drug before. Um, I mean, back, back about 10 years ago, I was involved with a, a survey of ecstasy users where we asked people these questions hypothetically because we weren't in a position to actually offer them drug checking. But we said, you know, if you, um, you know, you found out that this drug was, drug you thought was ecstasy and you wanted to take ecstasy, you found out it was ketamine, what would you do? 
And most people at that time said, no, I wouldn't take that drug. And the people that said yes, we then had a look, and almost all of them had used K before. Right, yeah. So that, was, that made sense to us. It was like, well, you know, it's not about preventing someone from using a drug that they are aware of and know about. It might, in, might indeed enjoy. That wouldn't really work, and that's not really the point of the service. But I think if it comes up as something that you've never seen before and you're not into trying something totally new with no information, then, you know, it's quite likely that the service has basically prevented you from from trying something that might have been dangerous. But then again, um, there'll always be some. Yes, exactly. It's a difficult area and I do hope that you uh, can find the, the funding to do that research uh, in Australia because uh, it's, it's needed here like it's needed anywhere else. And um, Dr. Monica Barrett, thanks for joining us on, in Psychedelia today and we'll definitely uh, uh, speak to you in the future on, uh, on these issues and keep following up the drug checking. Thanks so much. Thanks for the opportunity. Dr Monica Barrett is from the National Drug and Alcohol Research Centre at the University of New South Wales. This is Encyclopedia on 3CR. <laughs> They say, you know, the, 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 the shamanic role or that person of the healer, whether, you know, you want to define yourself or not as one, you need to have had a wound and to be able to understand the Yeah, what the, the, wound. the wound is. Because we yeah. all have wounds. Right? Absolutely. And if you're going to help people and you can't heal their wound, you can provide the set and setting and the space yep. and the medicine, but their internal soul has to help but you can help them with that absolutely process. you but can you help, help them, them if you don't know the wound and i can be an obstacle yeah if i don't understand yeah and i believe that more part most part of health practitioners they don't know about what they are teaching so i believe that experience is really important mm. for the understanding because one thing is that you watch a movie about the ocean or someone mm. tell you about the ocean mm. and you can see a picture of the ocean but once that you are inside of the ocean they will then you will know what it's to be wet and how it how feels like so uh, I believe that it's something like that for just um, leading people uh, you need to know and the only way to know it's experience and what I want to to share is that it's not true pain the way that we need to learn mm. that what happened to myself I really want that no one else uh, experience it but there is so many people right now uh, dealing with the same uh, the same, the same aspect of, of our lives, it's and a they are addiction it is. itself is it? and, and I believe root cause to addiction. addiction. It's not only illegal substances. No. Like uh, we all, as humans, we are addicts. Anything that give mm. you pleasure, you will do that. It, it might be sex or study or a mm. family or a job, Internet. but it can yeah. consume all your energy and time, mm. and you are. Uh, you are stop doing something more than that. And I believe that we need to learn about balance mm. and we need to have the freedom of choice. Mm. And this freedom of choice, it's, it needs to be done with the 
the education, talking with the real truth instead of what is just good for my interests mm -hmm. right now. So it's um, it's really um, reconforting for for my soul just to feel healthy and happy, but also to be able to extend that same message to to more people. And this has been a blessing, like. Mm -hmm. uh, Uh, struggling with all those uh, uh, substances or those energies has been the biggest uh, lesson for me and I'm just so happy to be 36 year old and being here talking about this instead of uh, maybe being dead or still or using that that things, yeah. being dead in a different way yeah, yeah. That was just a small snippet from a podcast called In a Perfect World. It's produced by Rakrazam, who's an experiential journalist from up in the Northern Rivers region in New South Wales. And he was speaking with Dr. Octavio Rettig, who is a Mexican doctor who works with 5-MeO-DMT, which is found in the Sonoran Desert Toad Bufo Alvarius. The whole podcast is an hour and a half in length, so we only play a, a small, seg small segment to give you a, a, a taste of it. If you want to uh, listen to the whole thing, rakrazam.com is the place to go uh, and to check it out. Uh, this is in Psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio, 855am uh, on digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. And do get in touch with us because we are always looking for contributions, comments, feedback, Uh, or anything else that you'd like to pass on uh, to us, just head to the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au, and jump onto the Encyclopedia program page. There are links to our website, Facebook, and Twitter there, and you can also send us an email. And uh, we, we, wanna, we want your contributions, whether it's a, a story that you've got to tell us or one that you've heard from a friend or a peer, um, or some poetry or music or something else that you'd like to share, or perhaps you have a particular expertise in an area um, that you'd like to get on the air. It's 3cr.org.au forward slash Psychedelia. Querying the Air is coming up in about uh, 10 minutes' time, but Ash, we've got uh, a little bit more news uh, on, uh, on, on drug issues. Yeah, just uh, didn't quite get to the, the stuff from around the rest of the world. Um, <clears throat> Over in America this week, uh, President Obama granted clemency, uh, commuted the sentences of 46 prisoners convicted of non-violent -dr non drug offences. Um, and I quote, their punishments don't fit the crime. And if they were sentenced today, nearly all of them would have served their time. So these are people sentenced under... Uh, Uh, harsh historical drug laws for mostly just possession and, and low-level drug offences that have uh, been given quite long sentences. Um, so he's he's commuted the, the sentence of 46 of them. And, you know, that's fantastic. He's he's done more in this regard than many of the pre previous presidents, but there's also criticism that it's not nearly enough to basically deal with the backlog of people within the system. Yeah, pop population of 340 million-ish in the US and um, one of the, or I think, the largest prison population in the world in uh, in respect to their uh, 
uh, their total population, um, and a lot of those people are in jail for very minor drug offences. So we're not talking about uh, violent crime or property crime or crimes against the person. We're talking about uh, the kind of crime uh, that uh, is, is just somebody having a drug in their pocket, like 0.7 grams of cannabis, which is apparently a $300 fine in the eyes of Australian magistrates. Exactly. He, he actually followed it up the, uh, the following day. He's the, the first sitting president to take a tour of a, a federal penitentiary, which he did in Oklahoma. And um, he, he gave a speech after that where he, he basically positioned his, himself as uh, trying to push for a shift uh, with Congress on reforming the drug laws uh, across the country in a more broad scale, which, you know, looks like it's, it's kind of about time the, uh, the governor, Chris Christie, who's one of the, the hopefuls, I think, for the, the Republican candidacy, yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> is, um, is also on board with that. He gave a speech uh, basically acknowledging the failure of the drug war and, you know, one of the, the rock star candidates, I guess you could say, from the Republican Party, Rand Paul, he's of the libertarian ilk and he's been widely outspoken against the drug war for some time. So looks like it's possible... Fingers crossed. I don't know. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is there is another um, another change that's or possible change that will be happening uh, April next year. The United Nation uh, is is holding a General Assembly special session on the drug treaties. And uh, if if you aren't aware, uh, the, one of the main reasons why the whole world, most countries around the world, have a prohibition uh, style approach to drug regulation outside of alcohol and tobacco, uh, is because of these United Nations international treaties that were written in the uh, i think 179 one's eight or 71 the 60s and 70s were um where these uh came from and they uh, outright said that every member state every every uh signatory to their treaties had to make sure that they had legislation in their books that completely prohibited uh plants like cannabis like uh opium like cocaine uh and, and made sure that nobody could ban these. And the, the whole effort uh, was to aim for a drug-free world, which uh, sounds terribly ideological and uh, unrealistic because I don't think there has ever been a drug-free world. And in fact, many drugs are very useful, hence medicine. <laughs> As uh, <laughs> Professor Nick Crofts has been known to say when I've come across him at uh, various things, uh, there isn't a drug-free prison in the world, so... It's highly unlikely that we're going to get a drug-free world if we can't even, you know, keep that out of prisons anywhere in the world. Exactly. And the, the talk is that the um, April United Nations General Assembly special session uh, will uh, be looking at those treaties and it's, it's looking like they're going to shift. And if they shift, then we can expect states like, uh, like America and like other places around the world, throughout Europe and South America especially, who have felt the brunt of the drug war for a long time, um, will look at different options than prohibition to uh, to regulating drugs. Um, and just finally as well, there is a... Uh, if you're interested in the, the sort of front line of drug issues at the moment, it is um, with the novel psychoactive substances, which are new drugs. These are drugs that have either recently been developed or have recently entered the market. Um, and it, it is a bit of a, a confusing kettle of fish. But if you do want to learn more about novel psychoactive substances, Harm Reduction Victoria is putting on a uh, seminar on Tuesday, the 28th of July. That's uh, next Tuesday, 
It'll be at the Supper Room in Melbourne Town Hall from 2 till 6pm. Dr. David Caldicott will be speaking there, who's uh, an emergency consultant at the emergency department of the Calvary Hospital in Canberra. And he's also a clinical senior lecturer in the Faculty of Medicine at the Australian National University. Um, And he, in the past, has run drug checking programs in South Australia and in Wales, I believe. So he's, he's quite knowledgeable on it and he'll be speaking there. To get tickets for that, just uh, head along to the Harm Reduction Victoria website, which is hrvic.org.au, um, and uh, tickets are $30 for professionals, $8 for student or concession. Um, organisational tickets are $30, and that gets you three tickets, um, and that's for Harm Reduction Victoria members, um, and members of Harm Reduction Victoria uh, can head along to that one for free, but you still have to make sure to get your ticket hrvic.org.au and uh do we have any uh any final final thoughts for the day for the day ash final thoughts stay safe out there folks stay safe absolutely i'll I'll give you that direct line number again if you or a friend or somebody that you care about is struggling with a drug or alcohol um, issue there is a 24 hour seven day a week telephone counseling service available uh it is called direct line and the phone number is one 800 888236 and psychedelia will be back next week from 2 p.m. Get in touch with us 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the Psychedelia program page. Queering the Air, Queering the Air is up next on 3CR 855 AM. You've been listening to a 3CR community radio podcast. That was Psychedelia. For more, head to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the Encyclopedia program page.